um, the ninth commandment today. In the NIV version of Exodus chapter 20, verse 16, it reads like this. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Um, now, she, the, the, fir, the first way she quoted it when she started off today was, Thou shalt not lie. And that's certainly an acceptable way to translate this verse because that's exactly what it means. Some may be tempted to limit the scope of this commandment because it says false testimony and your neighbor. So there might be this tendency to say that this commandment applies only to false testimony in some sort of courtroom situation when you have a beef of some kind with your neighbor. Let me tell you that the the meaning of this commandment paints a much broader picture. To really understand what this commandment is saying, we need to look at the original Hebrew. And in the original Hebrew, and she explained some of that this morning, false testimony is a sham, a lie, an untruth. And the neighbor? Who is our neighbor? Yeah, each uh, anyone. Uh, any other human being is our neighbor. So what this is talking about is don't tell a sham, a lie, an untruth to anyone. It's not just applied to a courtroom situation. In fact, in Leviticus 19.11, it's very, very clear. It says, do not steal, do not lie, do not deceive one another. No doubt about what God is talking about here. Straightforward, not much room for interpretation. This is the bottom line. We are not to lie to anyone. And, and of all the commandments, this one may be the one we've set aside or disregarded as a culture especially, maybe more than any of the others. And this is on your outline today. Christian author R. Kent Hughes said this, Lying has become a cultural trait in America. Lying is embedded in our national character. That's kind of sad, isn't it? Lying is so ingrained in our culture that we've come to joke about some of the more common lies. We make jokes about these things. Here are a few of the classics. The check is in the mail. I've got plans that day. I'm almost there. 20 minutes away. Oh, I just need five minutes of your time. Or this is one that we encourage maybe someone else, a child, to say, Tell them I'm not home. And we'll come back to these later. We have a problem that is glaringly apparent in events that have taken place in our country over the past few years. According to USA Today, the Russia collusion probe cost taxpayers $31.7 million. And we're now finding out that this whole business was based on lies. Proof that lying is embedded in our culture is on continual display for all of us to see. We witness it in investigative and prosecutorial proceedings, political speeches and debates, media coverage, advertising, 
cultural and political commentary, and the list goes on. Think about how often elected officials have been caught in lies, and whether we call it a lie or not depends on whose side you're on. Otherwise, that person misspoke or they had bad information. Proverbs 29.12 says, If a ruler listens to lies, all his officials become wicked. And in Proverbs 17, verse 7, it says, Eloquent lips are suited, are unsuited to a godless fool. How much worse lying lips to a ruler. The result is others become like him or her. If the ruler is a liar, others become like him or her. It's, it's taken, if the ruler is a liar, then it's taken as permission for me to lie too. Put another way, birds of a feather flock together. Lies breed lies. Lies corrupt. Lies tolerate lies. And so now as a culture, in many ways, we've gotten to the point where we tolerate, tolerate and even approve of lies. Truthfulness and integrity are no longer defining qualities of leadership in the minds of many because those virtues are no longer valued. In Isaiah 59, 14 and 15, it says this, So justice is driven back, and righteousness stands at a distance. Truth has stumbled in the streets. Honesty cannot enter. Truth is nowhere to be found, and whoever shuns evil becomes a prey. The Lord looked and was displeased that there was no justice. And then again in Jeremiah 5, 30 and 31, a horrible and shocking thing has happened in the land. The prophets prophesy lies. The priests rule by their own authority, and my people love it this way. Sounds way too familiar, doesn't it? Sadly familiar. But on the other hand, God, throughout the Scripture, identifies Himself with truth. He is a God of truth. Jesus Himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And folks, truth is not only what God speaks, truth is what God is. It's who God is. Satan then, being the antithesis of God, is a liar. John 8:44, speaking of, well, Jesus is having one of those interesting conversations with the Pharisees. He says, you belong to your father. He's speaking of the Pharisees. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So, according to this scripture, when we lie, we're in league with the devil. He is the father of lies. And he's eager for us to lie. Because lying tends to lead to other sins. In fact, lying often becomes a cover-up for other transgressions or sins. The Bible seems to indicate that lying is the soil from which other sins spring. 
I, Psalm 58.3, Even from birth the wicked go astray, from the womb they are wayward, spreading lies. Charles Spurgeon said this, When a heart is untruthful, then it is prepared to be the seed plot of every evil thing. This echoes the words of Jesus in Matthew 12:34 and this is from the New Century version, you snakes, you evil people. So how can you say anything good? The mouth speaks the things that are in the heart. It's no wonder then that when we lie we have a problem with God. In Proverbs 6:16 6, through 19 and listen, the Bible has a lot to say about truth and lying. Proverbs 6, 16-19. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to Him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush to evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. And two of the seven deal directly with lying. And it says that God hates and detests these things. And those are pretty strong words and should tell us something about how God views the sin of lying. Proverbs, excuse me, Psalm 34, 12 and 13. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. God seems to put a lot of weight on what comes out of our mouths. But again, that is because what comes out of our mouths indicates what is in our hearts. Proverbs 12, 22. The Lord detests lying lips, but He delights in people who are trustworthy. So, truthfulness then was the measure by which God judged His people. In Jeremiah 5, verses 1 through 3, it says, Go up and down the streets of Jerusalem, look around and consider, search through her squares. If you can find but one person who deals honestly and seeks the truth, I will forgive this city. Although they say, as surely as the Lord lives, still they are swearing falsely. Lord, do you not do you do not your eyes look for truth? You struck them, but they felt no pain. You crushed them, but they refused correction. They made their faces harder than stone and refused to repent. If God finds a truthful person, he finds a righteous person. And in this case, he was willing, and this scripture that I've just read to you, in this case, he was willing to withhold justice, uh, judgment, excuse me, for just one person who was honest. That's sad, isn't it? Not one person could he find. Psalm 15, verses 1 and 2. Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live on your holy mountain? The one whose walk is blameless, who does what is righteous, 
who speaks truth from their heart. And folks, there are consequences to lying, and Pamela pointed some of those out this morning in her presentation for the children. Proverbs 19.9 A false witness will not go unpunished, and whoever pours out lies will perish. We know that without forgiveness through the blood of Jesus, there are certainly eternal consequences for lying and for all other sins. In the book of Virtues, under the section on honesty, we find this poem by Hilaire Belloc. It's called Matilda Who Told Lies and Was Burned to Death. Matilda told such dreadful lies... It made one gasp and stretch one's eyes. Her aunt, who from her earliest youth had kept a strict regard for truth, attempted to believe Matilda. The effort very nearly killed her, and would have done so had she had not she discovered this infirmity. For once towards close towards the close of day, Matilda growing tired of play and finding she was left alone, went tiptoe to the telephone of London's noble fire brigade. Within an hour, the gallant band were pouring in on every hand, from Putney, Hackney, Downs, and Bow, with courage high and hearts aglow. They galloped, roaring through the town. Matilda's house is burning down. Inspired by British cheers and loud proceeding from the frenzied crowd, they ran their ladders through a score of windows on the ballroom floor and took peculiar pains to souse the pictures up and down the house until Matilda's aunt succeeding in showing them they were not needed. And even then she had to pay to get the men to go away. It happened after that a few weeks later her aunt was off to the theater to see that interesting play the second Mrs. Tanqueray she had refused to take her niece to hear this entertaining piece a deprivation just and wise to punish her for telling lies that night a fire did break out you should have heard Matilda shout you should have heard her scream and bawl and through the window up and throw the window up and call to people passing in the street. The rapidly increasing heat, increasing heat encouraged her to obtain their confidence, but all in vain. For every time she shouted fire, they only answered, little liar. And therefore, when her aunt returned, Matilda and the house were burned. Kind of reflects the story of the boy that cried wolf, doesn't it? And this poem is a reminder of two unfortunate consequences of lying. And the first is broken trust. You have deceived others, and you're no longer trustworthy. You've broken trust with people. So how do we know when you're lying now or telling the truth? And the other thing that happens is it damages, we end up with a damaged reputation. We become known as a liar. We become known as trustworthy or possibly an exaggerator or a gossip. And the problem with lying is the consequences are not always borne by the liar 
alone. The person they lied about may suffer as well. They may suffer suspicion or damage to their reputation. Especially if there is no clear evidence to, to prove or disprove the lie that's been told. And so there may always be corresponding doubt in people's minds and a lack of trust. I remember when I was in high school, I, I remember this girl's name. I remember her face. I remember the school ski club took a trip. I think it was, I grew up in Idaho. I think they went to Sun Valley. And, um, you know, it was a weekend thing, and when school came on Monday, there were all these whisperings about this particular young lady and some things that she had supposedly done on the ski trip. And I remember her walking down the hall of school with tears coursing. And these things were discovered to be lies. And I remember what people were saying about her and how this thing spread. And I, you know, I went to, I, it was a three-year high school. It was 10 through 12. There were 1,200 students. And I remember the impact it had on this young lady's life. So the consequences aren't always just for the liar alone. And by the way, there is no such thing as a white lie. I mentioned these common things, these what we might call common lies earlier, that we a lot of times would consider a white lie. The check is in the mail. Oh, I've got plans today. I'm almost there. Oh, I just need five more minutes. I just need five minutes of your time or... Tell them that I'm not home. You know, there's not one place in Scripture where lies are put on a grading scale. You know, white lie, gray lie, black lie. You won't find it in there. We're the ones who do that. There's an ad on television. I don't know if I've seen it recently, but I don't even remember what product they're advertising is. But it's a grandma. And she comes and knocks on the door of the little girl's bedroom. Do you remember seeing this? And, and says, is your mother in there? And the little girl looks over and her mother's, I think, drinking a cup of coffee and shakes her head no. And so the little girl says to Grandma outside the door, no. That was a lie. And you might excuse that mom. I mean, she needs her space or whatever, but... What that mom asked the daughter to do was lie. And a lie is a lie is a lie. And what was that mother teaching that little girl? Well, she's teaching her to be a liar. And obviously it's, obviously it's okay, but because mom told a lie. And I think about gossip and... I, you know, what, what happened to this young lady at my high school was gossip. And so often, gossip is passed on without knowing whether what we're spreading is true or not. 
Well, even if it is, it shouldn't be passed on. That's really the bottom line. In fact, um, gossip is, uh, probably by definition, is not anything positive. Um, Julie was in a singing group in college called the Northwesterners. I remember they did this little song about gossip. So I'll try to remember how the tune goes and sing it to you. I should probably have her come up here and do this. It went like this. And it was, it had a, uh, let's say a Caribbean flair to it. Okay? And it went like this. Gossip, gossip, evil thing. Much unhappiness it bring. If you can't say something nice, don't talk at all is my advice. You could put that in the scripture just about, couldn't you? You know, I've got some quotes at the bottom of your page today. These are so true. Mark Twain said, oh, excuse me. Let me, let me quote this one first. Abraham Lincoln said, no man has a good enough memory to be a successful liar. And then Mark Twain said, if you tell the truth, you don't have... You don't have to remember anything. So true. But the best one comes from Psalm 51, verse 6. This is from the New American Standard Bible. Behold, and and the psalmist is speaking of God. Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being. That's where it starts. That's what comes out if it's in there. Uh, I want to share an illustration, a, a, a story that I found. This is... For a number a number of years ago, I think this might have come from guideposts as well. But the introduction to this story says this: Paul Ekman's book "Why Kids Lie" explains how parents can encourage truthfulness. He states that the most common reasons for lying are avoiding punishment, getting something you couldn't get otherwise, winning admiration, protecting friends. Ekman found that children who lie the most come from homes where parents lie. Example, therefore, he says, is the best teacher. So here's the story. This is from a man. Uh, he shares it about his father. This is from Sioux, City, uh, Sioux Center, Iowa. The cold Iowa dawn was still an hour off, but already Dad and I had finished a big job on our farm. We'd loaded 100 head of cattle for market into two waiting semi-trailers. So the cattle were already loaded. I was 16, and this was the first time I'd seen the cattle to market. Dad had made it my job to keep the feeder full with the right mix. I'd seen them come in as scrawny yearlings and fatten up to 1,100 pounds apiece. The price was right, and it was time to sell. There was just the paperwork to complete. Got to have your John Hancock right here, said Mick, one of the drivers, as he handed Dad a clipboard. What's this, Mick? asked Dad. Oh, something Uncle Sam wants you to sign. Says you've kept your cap, your cattle off still best all for two weeks before slaughter. I felt the blood rush to my head. Still best all was used as a feed additive to promote growth. We debated its use and had gone ahead. The government had changed its regulations several times, and the form Mick had had the form Mick had was news new. Excuse me. I've been giving the cattle still best draw all along. I don't think it makes a whole lot of difference myself, said Nick. 
Don't see how they can tell anyway. Dad scratched the ground with his boots. We'd be the laughing stock of the town if we unloaded our cattle now because of some silly government regulation. Another two weeks and the market price would surely fall. Finally, Dad looked up. Better, better unload it. That was 15 autumns ago, and I'm a farmer myself now. Dad died a few years back, but his example lived on. That morning, as the cattle came back down the chutes and daylight stretched across the horizon, Dad didn't say anything. He didn't have to. Honesty wasn't just a value Dad talked about. It was something he lived by. To send those cattle to market would have been a lie. He wasn't going to lie. In a world where lives abound, we often don't know who or what to believe. Where lying is standard procedure and acceptable, we are called to be people who live and speak the truth without exception. We can only do that if we have truth in the innermost being, in our hearts. Jesus, who is the truth, and the truth of His Word and His Scripture, need to be in our hearts. Psalm 119, verse 111 says, I have hidden your word in my heart. Excuse me, Psalm 19, 11. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. If these are true of our lives, if Jesus the truth is in us, and if we've hidden his word in our lives, then we will be people of truth and keepers of the night. Father, help us. Help us in a world where lies seem to have become acceptable. You know, if it fits your agenda, if it helps accomplish what you want to accomplish, if it keeps you out of trouble, if it can deceive someone into, well, coming my way, or whatever it may be. Lord God, in, in times like these, help us to be committed to the power of Your Spirit at work in us because we have hidden Your work, your Word in our lives. Help us to be people who not only speak the truth, but live the truth. That we might be people of truth. We can be counted on always to be truthful without exception because we know, Lord God, that that is the thing that will please You. And if we are people of truth, then we will keep the ninth commandment. It's not just about some courtroom scene where we sit down and take an oath to tell the truth in this particular situation. It's about the way we live our lives. It's a way about this, the way the, this farmer in Iowa lived his life. Lord God, You're God of truth. You've called us to be people of truth. May it be so for us in a world of lies. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.